and we're live. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing. I'm John Morris. Somewhere on this screen is Brian Keachley, and our guest this evening is Willie Gray. Willie, thanks so much for coming on, bud. No, thank you for having me. Hey, so Willie, we met through Instagram. We did. As, as most of the people we bring on here, but hey, you've been one of my really good friends ever since we just hit it off pretty much since we met man and dude please if you would share with us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got into fishing well a little bit about myself is just about all you got um <laughs> this could be a very short show very fast that's for sure um well let's see born in the late 60s uh my mother was the fisherman in the family not my dad um my dad, uh, we had a joke about my dad, that dad couldn't catch a fish sandwich if you threw it to him underhand. <laughs> um, and he could, he was a terrible fisherman. My mother grew up in the mountains of Virginia. So a lot of their fishing literally was to eat, to survive. Um, yeah, she, she was that family. She was that, you know, uphill both ways in the snow, you know, got water from a well, that kind of thing. Um, so she taught me to fish and, uh, uh, we had pictures, man, that were way back at me um, in hard white shoes <laughs> <laughs> uh, with a fishing pole and a little bluegill hanging from the, the end of that line. And from that point on, I, I, I assume I was pretty well, no pun intended, hooked on fishing. Um, so I've been fishing my way all those years. You know, the, I didn't do it because uh, it was the end thing. Uh, I was fishing by myself, rivers, creeks, lakes, wherever, wherever I could cast a line uh, and taught myself how to do it. Cause like I said, you know, my mom knew bobbers and hooks. That was it. Uh, when it came to lures and uh, all those kinds of things, different size lines and all that, she didn't know anything about any of that. She knew how to flounder fish, even though she grew up in the mountains, I'm in, uh, Newport News. So I'm on the coast here as a saltwater kid, but I didn't care anything about it. Uh, saltwater fishing, uh, I don't know, man, that whole cast and sit thing I just drove me crazy. I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be out there walking the rivers and casting. So freshwater was more my thing. And I would go to the mountains where my mom's family was from I had several cousins and people up there to fish, which is where the whole terminology uh, or title anyway, of want to go fishing came from. Um, I had a cousin up there, Michael, that uh, we wouldn't see each other for months at a time. But when we did, I'd walk in the front door of my aunt and uncle's where he was living and would look at him and say, what's up? He'd say, what's happening? I'd say, want to go fishing? Yeah, I'll get my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much the ex existence of of our uh personalities i guess you'd say that we wanted to fish and that was our thing so every time i went up there i was fishing as much as i could um didn't didn't have a lot of money didn't grow up with a lot of money uh so a lot of stuff which you'll notice uh, brian you're looking at some of my video stuff some of that stuff that you'll see is revitalizing or revamping old equipment uh, because that's the kind of stuff I grew up with. Um, 
Zebco 33s and uh, Johnson Centuries, Abu Maddox, you know, the old push button Abu Maddox, uh, Mitchell uh, 308s and things like that. That was, that was what I had. Uh, I did not have the top of the line stuff, but I always found that I could go out and fish and catch fish just like everybody else. So to be honest with you, the whole, this is how much that reel cost. And this one had 12 bearings and this one has none. And this one all <laughs> didn't mean anything to me. Uh, Cause I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. You know, uh, I would figure things out like, you know, well, 10 pound line don't cast as far as four pound line does. So I could put four pound line in my Zebco 33 and I was outcasting the guy with the, <laughs> with the Daiwa with the 14 pound line and stuff. And he's going, you know, how's this guy out here catching fish? with this $3 outfit and I'm up here with my $200 outfit and <laughs> it's not catching a thing, but you know, but anyway, yeah, that was my, that was my thing. Uh, then, um, how else domestic life, uh, came along and kids and, uh, all that stuff. Fishing got away from me for a long time. Uh, I didn't fish for a long time. And I guess about four or five years ago, I went out to my shed where all of my stuff became antique and uh, started revitalizing my old stuff and started fishing again. About that time, COVID hit. <laughs> and uh, I started watching YouTube. And the one guy I started watching, the guy, uh, John Dalton, I think his name, he was Creek Fishing Adventures. Nice. Started watching him. And I was like, man, this dude's up here doing exactly what I grew up doing fishing creeks and rivers and all of that stuff. And I, so I started watching them and, and my youngest son talked me into getting a GoPro and the rest is history. I just started doing my own stuff. My 19 year old son, Evan is a editing master and he makes, he makes a boring dude like me, which you're probably going to find here Mr. Uh, on <laughs> YouTube look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always your editor man i'm telling you it's your editor that makes you who you are man well, now are you bored are you tired did all of you fall no, no, no not at open. all your eyes are still yeah. open so everything's oh, yeah. well so let's let's backtrack to your mom uh, obviously okay. you know your mom started out fishing up in the mountains and, and your dad wasn't much into it right you know which was probably that was probably kind of the odd kind of reversal of roles at the time in the 60s it was. to have mom being more so into the fishing than dad because it was always oh the guys are going to go out here with the old coleman cooler with full of beer and sit there with bobbers and worms that's yeah. that's what i remember as a kid but uh having your mom being into it when your mom started out, what, I mean, she was up there in the mountains. Was she just straight up cane pole fishing in those creeks? <laughs> For the most part, yes. Um, yeah. Because again, uh, not being people of money, um, there weren't any, you know, if you ever watched Andy Griffith, you know, Andy and yeah. he always went out there with those old fiberglass rods and the, uh, the little bait caster type things. Yeah. Um, that, that wasn't my mom. No, it was a string, a bobber, a long stick, cane pole, whatever they could go out there and fish with. That was later on when my mom left the mountains. She came here when she was 14. I think it was 14. Yeah, she came up here when she was 14. She met my dad a couple of years or three later, who was born and raised here in Newport News. Um, and at that point on, dad was in the military. I think he had just 
can't remember if it was World War II. He came out of World War II and they met or whatever. But uh, my dad was a hunter. Now, that was dad's. Dad worked on cars and he hunted. That was his thing. Um, there was always 10 or 12 junked automobiles laying around the yard somewhere. And, <laughs> but it, it wasn't what you think, you know, a bunch of cars on blocks that just sure. sit around and never did anything. Uh, my dad was a purpose person. If, a, if something didn't have a purpose, it left. It was gone. Uh, it didn't have a reason. It wasn't just going to sit here. So our yard was riddled with Ramblers and Volkswagen Beetles and uh, old pickup trucks and stuff like that. So dad was the mechanic and the hunter. Now, he loved to hunt. I don't know if he liked to hunt as much as he loved to hear dogs run. Loved that first initial, you know, when that first dog would catch whiff of something and you get that first. Yeah, he loved yeah. that. That was just his thing. So fishing, no, I've actually sat next to my dad on a pier and caught fish. Him with the same setup I'm using and couldn't catch a thing. <laughs> don't ask me why. I would take his and then cast it and catch something with it. And dad would just look at me and go, well, you know, if I was ever trapped on an island, I'd be living off of coconuts. <laughs> But yes, mom was quite the fisherman. Mom, mom taught me a lot. Very cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then, then to go to her family up in the mountains who did it all the time and then get taught, you know, here's a Rapala floating bed. The heck is that for? You know, what do you do with that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. You know, um, things like that you know, to really learn what you should use in rivers or rooster tail. You know, which are all old school things right now, but they still work. Mm -hmm. They still catch fish to this day. They catch fish, you know. So that's that's another thing. You'll see me go back to stuff like that. You'll see me go to rooster tails and mess and <laughs> yep. uh, things like that. Be trout maggots. You know, I had my trout maggot week and uh, <laughs> yeah. a trout maggot is absolutely makes me laugh just because it's a little piece of rubber about that big that somebody put a slit <laughs> in. And the things catch fish like crazy. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, that, that was my introduction to fishing was with mom, of course, then learning more as I got into the mountains with cousins that really knew how to fish. And uh, I tried fly fishing for a while, John. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I caught more trees than I did fish. Um, <laughs> it wasn't my thing. I, was, I, I could do it, but a lot of the places that I fished, you don't have room to do it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's tight. Some of the creeks and things like that, that I walked, you know, I was just zip, zap, zip. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just hang that thing in? I'm back here, yeah. you know, or, or I hear somebody scream, you know, 20 feet behind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you fished with me you, and I was fly fishing, you could easily look like you fell face first into a tackle box by the time we left. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i used fly fly rods for other things i would put up the reels and things on them which yeah. i showed john the other day yeah uh, yeah i took a oh, matter of fact i think i got it but i do the uh johnson century i i used it on a yeah. fly rod and <laughs> it really worked well i was very surprised how well it worked I don't know if I'm getting off track or not. I could talk. Oh, no, 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 somebody, no. please, for the love of God, speak up and say something. <laughs> John, John gets the next question, and we're going to probably step all over each other through the course of this. So oh, just oh, yeah. Expect that. Yeah. That just makes it fun. Yeah. All right. So we fast forward now. And okay. 
it's it's COVID time. You started watching YouTube and you created your own your own channel. Your channel yep. is doing really well. And Willie, I've got to tell you, it gives you there's this nostalgic. I just woke up at six in the morning and I'm watching Bill Dance Bass Fish. Yeah. It does. No, really, it does. It has this really John, don't say Bill Dance. The last time you did it broke the internet. Oh, I did. Oh, Lord. It's, it's true. Jimmy Houston. Say Jimmy Houston. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roland, Roland Martin. Yeah. Roland Sorry, Martin. Re- yeah. <laughs> Reversed it. What was the, what was that other guy? Real country Al accent. Or? Oh, no, no. Never Real mind. country accent. Uh, I can't remember his name now, but I used to watch that guy. I can't remember what his name yeah. is now. I remember those days. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some times that I got up and, Flip the channel and the cheesy music came on. And, and <laughs> yeah, sun's coming up over top of your truck. Whatever you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Grab your dog and your fishing pole and let's go. Yeah, I remember those days because. Gosh, who was that? You It'll know who I'm talking about. I knew. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It was on. It was on TNN when when I was a kid. I think back so. when we back when we very first got cable in the dark ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember the day we got cable. I remember that day. My mother came and got me. We were in the neighborhood somewhere playing Hot Wheels, little Hot Wheels cars in the dirt. Come on, guess what I got? You're going to love this. And, and I think we went from three channels to 12. Yeah, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Man, that was yeah. major stuff, dude. That was, that was a big deal right there. Hey, we can actually watch Tarzan on Saturday mornings now. <laughs> that's cool. It's just, sorry it's just it's got that feel right it's so enjoyable to watch it no it really is man if if you can't sit down and just enjoy willie's videos just rethink what you're doing a little bit yeah you know because no it is really man like seriously you know it's it's family friendly it's enjoyable and it's real it's it's not just like you just smashing all these fish back to back to back. You know, it's, it is That's real. Sure. It is real honest to God fishing with a dude that enjoys it. And it's so much fun to watch. Evan, my, my oldest son, uh, obviously there's been times that I've had to contain myself because I do have a tendency to be like gasoline poured on a fire. I, I literally, I can just go off and the next thing you know you, you would think you're watching robin williams or jim carrey or something and <laughs> on the videos i really have been trying to be a little bit more professional than just a psychotic with a fishing pole you know? <laughs> and, and it's hard it's really it's not easy because there's times there's things that immediately come to my head uh, my mouth whatever and a lot of times my mouth will before my brain goes dummy you're not shouldn't have said that um but evan has been telling me he's a dad you're you're kind of subdued which is i'm not used to i'm not used <laughs> to seeing that you're my father i've known you for 19 years i'm not used to seeing you so calm and uh it's a difference when that camera is pointing at you and you do have children uh, older people, uh, people, you know, that you don't want to offend, you know, that kind of thing. So there's, there's a world that you're playing in there where, uh, 
you have to watch. There's been a couple of times Evan, Evan has had to edit out <laughs> something. <laughs> that's, that's usually a uh, snagged lure or a uh, something that I, I can't remember. There's one episode, and I can't remember what it was, that I literally hooked into something really big. And uh, that might have been the episode with the TCB rod when I got the, the Leland TCB rod, because I caught, I caught my personal best with that rod that day. And uh, with no intentions of uh, catching anything all that big, not thinking I was going to anyway, there is a place that I fish a lot. And I fish a lot there because it's, I review things. So when I review these things, you know, nobody wants to see a review on a guy just casting all day long. You want to see fish caught, you know, you want to see what the thing actually does. So I go there because I can catch fish there. That's where I took the TCB that day. And last fish, as a matter of fact, of that, that particular day, I had stepped over to a spot I normally don't fish from and was just reeling in this little grub, you know, this little tiny grub. And man, I'll never forget that just thump like, like I was really fast and hooked into a stump that had that feel to it. And man, then I realized, man, this thing's swimming. And then I heard my drag and I'm going, oh boy. Well, somewhere in there, I'm not sure where it was. It might've been during the first pull when it took off and I thought I was actually hung up. I said a few things that Evan had to <laughs> <laughs> It just happens, you know, you just kind of blurt things out and you don't really mean it. So, but anyway, yeah, that's, yes, I do like to make things that are a little bit family friendly. And I, some, I get a kick out of watching people catch fish uh, almost more than me catching fish. Um, we've been going to this campground in Gloucester, Virginia, uh, quite a bit several ponds, um, lake, a river, all right in that one little spot. And I can't begin to tell you how many people have come up to me up there and said, I've seen, I've been coming here, you know, I'm an annual person and I'm here all the time. And I have never seen people catch fish where you're at. And I've watched you today catch 12 fish and bring, what are you doing? And it, that's what it's been going on. It's hilarious. Now I've got this I don't know what it is. Is this uh, how do I say it? Persona or whatever. Now that people have put on me. Now here comes the guy that catches the fish. <laughs> you get that, you know. And and they actually come up to me and ask me, "What are you doing?" Because I've tried to fish here and I've never caught a thing for ten years. I've fished here. I've never caught anything. And I think it's funny I, um, because it's funny to me to see somebody fish and not catch anything and it's not funny but it's funny that they'll throw the same lure all day long and not catch anything <laughs> and it's like well you know fish have a brain though it ain't big if they're not after that they're not going to bite it just because change things change colors don't be afraid to retie something else on change color whatever and i tell people that's what i do you know i got a video on there of uh a grandfather and his son came up to me because this poor kid, he was nine years old. He was out there flinging this swim bait, man. Looked like he was trying to catch muskie out of his, <laughs> uh, out of this lake. 
I'm catching fish on one side of the lake. He's on the other side. Just, I mean, he's just wearing this pole out over there. So they get on their little golf cart and they come around over to me. And his grandfather says, you know, please, this child wants to catch a fish so bad. What are you using? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. And it just so happened <laughs> that I had this little rod and reel, the little push buttons up go. And uh, I got him set up. Rigged him up and we took him over to one of the ponds and I think first or second cast he caught a bluegill. Oh, you would have thought this kid reeled in a ten pound bass, <laughs> you know. And and that's to me that was that was the coolest thing was watching this. I even moved out of the area because I was still fishing, and I moved 65, 70 feet away because the fish were where he was at. And I said, just catch away, brother, catch away. Go and do what you that got to do. You know? And that's cool to me. That's I was as proud of that kid catching fish as I was when my two boys started catching fish. And, you know, it's something he won't forget. You know, you guys fish, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's something you don't forget. It's a certain feel to that that you, you can't get from baseball or football or, you know, that kind of thing. It's just something about you against whatever it is you can't see out there. And then when you get him and you hook him and bring him in and that, I don't know if it's that feeling of, ha I fooled you. You know, I don't, not quite sure, but yeah, it's just a fun time. So yeah. So elongated as that was for an answer. Um, that was a perfect answer. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, That's just I'm glad. I've never had a teacher ever tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> not one well, time. Well, well, I'm a teacher, so you know that. Uh, that in <laughs> my opinion, yeah. in 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 my professional opinion of of uh, education, I think that that was a very good answer because it was thoughtful and it, and it explained a lot. So, that's that's a really cool story about about that grandfather and his grandson and and being able to show them, you know, how to get it done. There's a lot of people out there that you know, they, they, they just don't know. And so to have somebody like yourself there on the pond, that makes a big difference because everybody else just, they'll let somebody flounder and squander. And I don't know if it's just their personality or something else, but you know, it, it, that's really, that, that's a cool thing to do for them. So. Well, I hear people all the time that won't give up where they fish. Cause you know, I'm not telling you where I go. I'm not telling you what color blue I'm using and I'm not, why? Yeah. You know, I mean, where I live, I get it. These these areas are a little bit fished out. Um, I understand why, I guess, people get a little bit selfish when they do find a place to fish. But I don't know. I've just never just never been that way. It's, it's like, I want to see you have fun. I don't want to see you take something that is supposed to be fun. And, you know, I, I use it. Uh, I, I use I play guitar. And I always used to tell everybody, many of junk guitar um, kept somebody who probably who might have been really good at playing the guitar from being a good guitar player. And that's the same way with fishing. How many times has someone gone out and tried to fish as a kid or whatever? They got a bad taste in their mouth because they couldn't catch anything. Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't their fault. It was just that they were going out there really just not knowing what to do. And if there was somebody there that could have said, well, here, man, this is what you got to do. Do this, tie it this way. This is this knot, you know, this is Palomar, this is whatever, this is lure you need to use. You know, uh, I was just fortunate that 
I had a mom that gave me a certain idea of what to do. I had to take it from that point on. Mm -hmm. But if I'd have gone out there and just been casting all day long and just, you know, came home with a sore shoulder and nothing to show for it, I probably would have been a little discouraged and not done it too, not kept with it. Same way when you're playing the guitar or whatever, you, you, you play a piece of junk guitar and you can't make the chords sound good. The next thing you know, you, you phone at the corner, you never touched it again. That's, that's the way I looked at that kid that day. And I went, you know, this kid, you get a bad taste in his mouth because he's, he's out here, you know, flinging this huge swim bait, and not catching anything in a lake that doesn't really have anything big enough in there to attack that. Mm -hmm. And, but after that, now, as a matter of fact, that video, uh, I'm trying to remember what that was. That was at the campground. And that whole end of that video, I actually asked uh, his grandfather and his parents if they cared if he was in a video. And they said, no, that's, that'd be great. I'm like, okay. So the whole tail end of that video is nothing but him catching fish. And that's it's, cool. It's, oh, it's a trip. It's, it's hilarious to watch too. Cause I, I haven't had a chance to see that video yet, but it will be on tomorrow when I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> You're on the treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll make time go by fast. Well, I, I you know the the idea of what you're doing uh, with your with your channel using the the what what I guess a lot of people would say is old school gear, but the the stuff that we grew up with. Um, More or less. Are you getting a lot of people hitting you up like, hey, where can I get one of those Mitchell 308s or <laughs> Zebco 33 or, you know, like a master reel half bale or anything like I mean, are they hitting you up to find out where they can um, get that? Some people, you'd be surprised. It's the people that do send uh, comments are usually people who grew up with this stuff just like I did. And they'll, I, I had a, a man today, as a matter of fact, today, I got a comment on one of my videos. He's 80 years old. And it was a uh, Abu Matic, a 120 that I did a video on and a 170. And he said, I've got six 120s and eight uh, 170s. And these reels are so underrated and, you know, they work so well, which they do. I mean, from that time frame, they were Swiss made, you know, they're, and they're really good reels. They cast a long distance. But that's the kind of people that ask more about it um, to me. The younger generation is really, you know, they're going to be stuck with their 12 bearing Daiwa Regals <laughs> and their whatever, you know, but, and that's fine. That's fine because that's their world. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to change their world and tell them, you know, you need to look at this. This is your history. This is your, you know, where it all came from. It is, but this started as, uh, well, I say started, it didn't start as a hobby. It started because I just couldn't afford really great stuff. I, I remember riding my bicycle to Kmart in the late seventies and early eighties and buying a Mitchell 308 for $8, you know, and you could literally wear that thing out in the summer, just wear it out. I mean, just until it was just going, please, God, don't cast me one more time. <laughs> and, but for eight bucks, you know, it, it, it did what it was supposed to do. And you'd be surprised how many of those you find now at flea markets and, uh, I don't know, yard sales and things like that, that aren't 
in bad shape. They really didn't get fished very much at all. They're just dirty. They're nasty. They need to be cleaned up. You clean them up, you make them work. And man, you're out there just blasting away with them. Now, don't get me wrong. The mids, all of those older reels have their little idiosyncrasies. They all have these little things you got to get used to. Um, just like uh, John was using one of my old <laughs> reels the other day. I, I sent him one that yeah. I worked on and I was so proud of that darn thing. And when he gets it, it won't do nothing. <laughs> like you're kidding me i've got like 12 of these things i send you one it doesn't work well it, <laughs> okay. it, it works it works it's just uh i gotta get that pin to get seated correctly it's stuck it's stuck in the middle that the pin sits here and as it moves over it pushes itself out more than this way and it pushes in and it's stuck in the middle so i gotta get it seated over so it grabs the line so the spring basically is just not forcing the pin yeah. all the way through the bale. Yeah. Okay. And is there grease up in there? Because I put grease up there. That might be that the grease is too thick and it's just holding it. If you get the grease out and oil it instead of grease it, it might do what it's supposed to do. It's still so much fun to use though. <laughs> well, they're a trip. They're a blast to use. I Because I, I think I showed you. I still got it sitting here. I still have. This was one of the very first new reels I could ever afford that was any good. Oh, yeah. The Zebco Feather Light. Uh, this is called the, what was it called? The Feather Touch, and it was a UL4 Classic is what they called them. And these little things, four-pound line, and you could cast with a, say, 116th or 132nd jig or even a Rapala floating minnow or something like that. Man, you could cast these things 65, 70 feet, which, you know, it's always great to have 65 or 70 feet of four-pound line out when that four-and-a-half-pound bass nails that lure. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, – it made, it made you get creative with your retrieve, I can tell you that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Loosen the drag and let him swim, tire himself out. But that's the kind of stuff that I uh, – I had, you know, and the old Mitchells and stuff. I got things laying all over the place. They just were more fun to me. Well, the, the, you know, the thing that, that just fascinates me about that, though, is uh, you, with, with, those with that technology and the way that those reels and the rods were built in those days, you can oh, no. still find those reels and rods in full functioning condition where you mm -hmm. you look at a lot of the new stuff. I we've we've just become so throwaway with our with everything. And you you yep. look at like an old master reel or uh Mitchell or um I, I I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones, but uh I have some from like the 50s and 60s. Yeah, right there. Is that the 308? That's a 308. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So I, I don't know, to, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. And when I was growing up, you saw more 300s, 308s and 400s on salmon and steelhead rigs than you yeah. did any other reel. And, and it's because they work, they, they would put them on an eight and a half to nine foot glass rod and you drift fish. That's what you did. And I saw more salmon and steelhead hauled in with those than, than any, I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty of guys out there nailing them with like Abu Garcia ambassadors and, you know, Shimano SLXs and all these other bait casters and the new spin reels, but nothing built like that. You could throw that thing in sand and gravel and mud and rain and it would still <laughs> crank. The only thing you ever had to watch with the Mitchells was for whatever reason, and don't ask me why it would do it. 
when you would click that bail over, there's a little notch. <laughs> yeah. There's a little notch that that pin goes in and it holds it. Yep. You'd rear back on that thing. And when you let Crap. her go, yeah. that daggone bail would click <laughs> without you redoing yep. it. Well, the next thing you know, you've got a one ounce or two ounce sinker coming flying back at you 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So when you use those things, your reflexes have to be really good, too. Yeah. You, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I went home with a bruise right here. You know, oh, man. Some sinker Because it just popped when you were casting. It went about six feet and then stretched and shot backwards at you 100 miles an hour. They yeah. all have their they all have their little weird things that you just got used to mm -hmm. and you're right the, the mitchell you had a uh, garcia mitchell mm -hmm. and then you had mitchell and how all of that came about who knows but um it, like i said you could go to kmart and buy one for eight dollars or twelve dollars or whatever literally wear it out throughout the summer until it was just garbage by the end of the summer and you know eight bucks you go back next summer and do it all over again but you would find so many of these things that didn't get used and yeah. like that one i just showed you that reel that i just showed you uh, i was working in a neighborhood and this gentleman was literally opening up tackle boxes and throwing stuff in the trash can where oh, we were yeah. working at and i worked for a public utility and i was in the neighborhood and we were, had holes dug out there and I, was, I kept watching this guy and i'm like i swear that guy's throwing fishing stuff in the trash can so I walked over to him and I said, what are you throwing away over here? And he's like, oh, it's old fishing junk, old stuff, and this, that, and the other. And some of it was that. It was junk. This reel, he bought brand new, brand spanking new. He took it out, cast it at one time. The brass nut that holds the entire spool down on the spindle had come off, and the spindle had come loose. Okay, this is a brand new reel, Okay. He said, I used it one time. I made about three casts. It came apart. I never messed with it again. He's had, he had that reel since, I don't know, 70, you know, something late 60s, early 70s. And he used it three times. I, wow. right there on the spot, took that reel, took it apart, tightened the nut back down, put the screw back in that held the nut in place. And was like, looking at it, and I'm going... <laughs> I said, you want it back? He goes, no, just take it with you. I've had that thing for 50 years. <laughs> I've used it three times. And so now it's, it is. It's here on one of my rods, which the funny thing is I actually have a rod that matched up to that reel. It was a Garcia rod. Oh, wow. From that time frame. And uh, that I picked up at a flea market or something. And so, yeah, I use that one on occasions. But, yeah, you're right. The older technology it still manages to hold up, but you, you got to learn how to use it. There's a mm -hmm. whole different learning curve with the old stuff. I mean, that rod right there, if you rear back on it too hard, it will come all the way back around between your legs and hit you right in the face. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just like a, it's like a CB antenna. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a whip, literally. So you have to learn how to use that stuff. Where today's stuff is, you know, I've got a medium light. I've got a medium heavy. I've got a medium whatever. And you almost know how to use it as soon as you buy it. There's mm -hmm. almost, I got it. There's learning curves with this old stuff. You, you put some of this old stuff in some of these young guys' hands and man, you're going to, there's going to be people going to the hospital. It's, uh, <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, I, I, I do have new stuff. <laughs> I have a lot of new stuff. I, I have to thank a friend of mine actually for that. Uh, guy named tim hahn i'm sure y'all seen him on his uh, he's on there too tim hahn yep. fishing 
Yeah. Uh, Tim got with me over my YouTube stuff and uh, we did a little um, collaboration and he bought a Daiwa RevRose 1000, the LT1000. And he called me or actually instant messaged me or whatever it was and, and said, I'd like to get with you on this and I'll use it. I will send it to you and you use it and we'll do a video. And I said, well, that sounds cool. Never done anything like that before. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that because I'm going to tell you what, man, that is an excellent reel. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, I went, you know what? Now I want the regal. I'm going to go buy a regal. <laughs> so, gonna, so then I bought another regal. And then, uh, and, and, and actually how him and I met was I found an older, about 10 or 12 year old regal at a yard sale. Oh, no, it was flea market. And I bought it for five bucks. Uh, 10 bearing regal, nice reel. And I bought a new regal and kind of did a little comparison with the new and the old just to see how, if anything had changed. And that's how him and I met. And he sent me the Revros and we did that little video. And yes, I do have some new things laying around here. Some of the new stuff really scares me though. Frightens me. <laughs> It's, it's terrifying so you, you were talking about catching your pb on the tcb rod so the tcb yeah. from leland that's trout crappie and bluegill. bluegill that's right bluegill, bluegill. Yeah. yeah it's trout crappie and bluegill but all i caught was bass that day it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, which so therefore that that b could mean you know bass if you want it to be i guess <laughs> um Yes, but uh, I actually liked that combo so well, so much that I bought two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really great reel. If you ever do, if you do like any kind of uh, ultralight fishing in any way, shape, or form, man, that's a really, really good rod. Uh, and today, uh, I think I told you, John, earlier when we were talking, I was going to go fishing. Yeah. And uh, I did go, didn't catch anything. It was just too cold. The wind was coming off the lake, and man, I was freezing. Um, but I had put the um, braided line. I'm sorry, I drew a blank there for a second. I put the braided line on that Revrose Daiwa that I got from Tim Hahn and took it out there. And really, that was the whole reason I wanted to go because I wanted to see what that Leland rod with that Revrose reel and braid. So there's three brand spanking new things all together right there. And uh, I wanted to see what it would do. And goodness gracious, I mean, I was launching, dude. <laughs> was it's like, and I kept waiting for the splash. Where's that lure at? You know, I go, oh, Lord, I just cast that thing like 85 feet. What's going on? Here? And it's just a little 1 ounce jig, you know, with the, the Charlie Brewer grub on it. So that was the whole reason that I went. But, uh, Yes, the Leland rod. I don't know if you guys get a chance to get one. If you do any ultralight fishing at all, uh, it's definitely worth having one of those on there. Um, I talked with another guy who's on Instagram, uh, Catfishing Chris. I don't know if you've seen him on there, uh -huh. but uh, nice guy. He's a uh, he's actually good friends with uh, John Dalton from Creek Fishing Adventures, and Chris is a, he's a catfishman, catfisherman, but he also likes crappie and stuff like that. Him and I talked back and forth that he uh, was going to get one, and I got mine. And then I instant messaged him and told him, "Dude, it was worth every penny." And now he has one, and uh, it, it's uh, everybody that I've talked to that's bought one. 
has been like, wow. You just wouldn't think it could be that much better, but it is. It's a really great rod. It really is. I want to go fish right now. They do yeah. me both. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're talking about ultralight rods, and I'm like, oh man, you know how much fun it'd be just to go fling some little 16th ounce cast masters oh. and just sit there and just, oh, you know, which, I know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Which, that's where it all came into me is I, I like to fish. Okay. Yeah. But I like to catch fish. And uh, a guy that I used to fish with at work, him and I went bass fishing one day and I took an ultralight rod as well as my bass setup. Bass were not hitting. We weren't catching anything. So I took that little ultralight and a couple of beetle spins or something and started catching, started catching crappie. Like, no lie, I laid down in the John book with my head up on the center seat and was casting over my shoulder blind like that. Just literally <laughs> casting over my shoulder and reeling like this. And was catching crappie. That's a lot and, of crappie. Oh my! It was oh man! They were, it, and none of them were huge, you know. I was little, sure. seven inch, seven eight inch, but I was catching fish. And at that point, I remembered why I started, you know, because I was catching fish in those rivers and those creeks and stuff where I was using those little small bitsy minnows and, and Rapala floating minnows and uh, trout magnet type stuff and beetle spins. And I remembered why I liked fishing because I was catching fish to go sit in a boat for eight or 12 hours and cast all day long and, mm -hmm. and maybe catch one decent fish or whatever. What? That's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fun there at all. You know? That's why, that's why fishermen lie, mm -hmm. you know, because when they yeah. don't catch anything all day long, they have to come back and lie you know, to their wives or girlfriends or moms or whatever and say, you have a good time? Yeah, I had a blast. I had a great time. Caught a bunch <laughs> of fish. Everything's great. But see, in today's world, it's different because back then, you know, your wife wouldn't have asked you, well, let me see some of the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Technology. That darn yeah. cell phone has done messed up everything. They have. <laughs> so can't even lie anymore because now they're asking for pictures, yeah. you know? Like, hey, oh, I got yeah. a salmon. Oh, yeah, let me see that. <laughs> yeah, let me see the picture. I know you took one. You're yeah. on Instagram 24-7. You should have a picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should, shouldn't I? Oh, my phone fell in the water. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to lie about that, too. But Yeah. As, but, yeah, that's, that's why I remembered why I like fishing, and that, that's the whole thing. Some of the biggest fish I've ever caught have been on small, small baits. Yeah, like with the Leland rod, I mean, that, that fish was a four and a half pound bass and four and a half pounds largemouth on a one sixteenth ounce grub, like, uh, well, like the ones you previously used to make. Yeah. <laughs> um, since you're Mr. Fancy Pants Fly Fisherman now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a curly tail grub that I caught that fish on. It was you know, literally inch and a half. And that big fish went after that little bait, you know. Yeah. Uh, only thing I can figure is it must have hit him in the face or something when I was dragging it by or whatever. Well, Dave, I'm telling you, so there's something about big fish. I don't know if it's because it's an easy meal. I'm, I mean, I'm no expert, but I've caught more bass. I can honestly say I've caught more bass in this past year of fly fishing than mm -hmm. I've caught my entire life being a bass fisherman 
<laughs> trying to catch him. Yeah, trying to catch him, and I'm I'm trying to catch bluegill, and yeah. I'm and I'm catching bass on like size fourteen, itty bitty size fourteen dry flies, and it's like why why are you eating? I'm glad you're eating it, but why are you eating that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense, but it's that's why I've always had a, I wanted to have a shirt made that said fish small, so when you catch the big stuff, it's really awesome. You know. <laughs> And that's that's what I did. I just I always to fish with smaller baits and stuff because I, it, you catch more fish. You know, you catch more variety. You catch crappie and bluegill, and you know, it just amazes me sometimes that a large fish, like you were just saying, will attack something no bigger than this. Yeah. Maybe maybe it is because it's an easy meal. Who knows? I, you know why they do it. But the fact remains that up till catching that big fish, I was still catching fish. I wasn't just casting all day long waiting to catch that big fish, you know. So that's my thing. I fish that way because I'm catching fish. That's, so it, yeah. what really sucks, though, is that if you don't catch anything that day, that it really becomes annoying because then you're like, man, <laughs> yeah. catch anything. And, you know, it colors, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the uh, the baits that I've been using, I've been really using these Charlie Brewer sliders, these little paddle tail grubs. And I've been up at the campground and I've been fishing up there and I found a couple colors that occasionally they hit and just say, but what it is that makes a fish attracted to something that has nothing to do with their environment is what makes me laugh. Pink and white. Yeah. There is nothing in their environment that's pink and white nothing unless somebody throws their chewing gum in the water you know, <laughs> there's there's nothing that's pink and white but daggone it that pink and white grub has been destroying bass and crappie up there i've been killing them and it's the funniest thing because i even make myself not put the pink and white on, on purpose <laughs> yeah to try to find something else that they'll hit on we'll get a bite literally take that pink and white cast it out there within two casts and bring a fish in. And, and who knows i mean i don't get it I, yeah. but then i start thinking about it you know as a human being you know if i'm standing here you know looking at a pink and white cupcake or something like that you know will i be more attracted to that pink and white cupcake than i will be the purple one maybe <laughs> possibility <laughs> maybe fish get tired of seeing the same thing day after day after day you know and they see that something that doesn't exactly fall into their food chain. And they go, hey, what is that? Let's go see what that is. Well, I had a guy tell me one time, you know, as an older guy, he said, well, if you ate at McDonald's every day and there was a, a Chick-fil-A two miles further up the road, would you go to Chick-fil-A and go get you a Chick-fil-A sandwich or would you keep eating McDonald's? And I didn't get that for the longest time. I was like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just old people gibberish. You know, it's just that <laughs> yeah. old people crap that you, next thing you know, you're an old person and you finally understand what that person meant. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, I, you know, it's right. Maybe they just see the same thing day after day after day after day. And they see that one different thing. That's what they go after. But if you ever go to a Thousand Trails Campground in Gloucester, Virginia, take pink and white with you. <laughs> you will have a good time i guarantee it speaking of which though now brian where are you actually at where are you i i i am in oregon i'm in the pacific oh, northwest so yeah cool. 
I'm, I'm on the opposite corner of the country from you. <laughs> wow. I wish I had a vehicle that could make it to Oregon. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, if you watch the news, you may not want to come here, but... <laughs> But but there is a there is a lot of good in the state. There's the, the few isolated pockets, but uh yeah. So Thousand Trails Campground, pink and white. It's kind of funny you say pink and white because uh we fish for uh steelhead with uh pink worms. That's like one of our big things. And really? and don't ask me why it works, because there's nothing in any of our rivers that's pink besides exactly. the fact that it refracts light. But yeah, a pink six inch or four inch paddle tail worm on an eighth ounce or uh, you know quarter ounce jig head ran yeah. through something that you wouldn't think would hold a fish that was 32 inches long and 20 pounds and all of a sudden your bobber goes down and then you got something screaming drag and diving down through buckets and it's like oh well what, what how did that happen it's the same thing it, it's really weird yeah. i think i really do think that you're onto it with it being just something different in the environment. It's like, oh, it's not a, it's not a lamprey, it's not a sculpin, it's not a, you know, a nymph or something like that. It's not a crawdad. It's gonna be, oh, it's something weird. I'm just gonna go eat it just because it's there. <laughs> exactly. I, I try really hard not to overthink fishing. Yeah. Because you can, you can do that. You can really overthink it. Um, I went trout fishing about seven or eight years ago with a friend of mine who was going up to. Uh, a river where they had loaded this river up with trout and stuff. And all they used were minnows, live bait. That's all mm -hmm. they wanted to use. I don't like carrying it around with me, you know, and that's what they were having to do. They literally had like whiskey jugs and things hooked on their hips with the minnows and they're pouring minnows in their hands and hooking them up and they're catching fish. Yeah. But I just don't like, you know, it's already 20 degrees outside. So you want to go dumping cold water in your hands to put a minnow on them a line i'm like i mean we were literally breaking ice off the eyelets of the reels or the rods when we'd reel them yeah. in and i'm like i just don't want to get my hands any colder than they already are my family bought me this meps trouter kit is what it was called and it just had these abundance of different minnows in there and i think this was somewhere around my birthday somewhere in february or something like that and uh there was one lure in there that really stuck out to me and I'm like, I like that. I'm going to use that. That's the one I'm going to go out there with and try it. Because I had rooster tails and I had all these little things that trout, you would think, are about. Uh, which trout is a funny fish, too. Trout is just, I love catching the things because they are strong as they can be. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. strong. Fish. They're a lot of fun. Oh, my God. Well, the first morning we went out there, it was, it was a club. So you couldn't start fishing till 8 o'clock. So I'm standing there at the the opening of where this cow pasture uh, pond comes in and stuff. And there's, a, you know, two guys over here on the right. There's two guys over here on the left. And they're all looking at me. And I'm standing at the head of this thing. I'm a guest. So I'm just kind of kicking back and sitting there. Well, one of the guys speaks up. He looks at his watch and it's like three minutes to eight or something. He goes, oh, that's close enough. Let's go. Man. So I let all them cast first. Well, they bloop, 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 all down through there. I'm sitting here. So I'm like, well, I'll just blast down the middle. You know, I took that. It was a, a MEPS XD is what it's called. Um, great lure. Uh, stands for extra deep, come to find out later on, that uh, it, it dives. It's actually a diving spinner. Yep. Really is what it is. And they're all sitting there. They've been sitting there with their minnows in the water now for two and a half, three, four minutes, I guess. And I just let her go on out there and it blew. I let it go to the bottom and I start reeling. 
first hit. Boom. Bends the rod over and they're all, of course, their heads are all turning, looking at me. And I'm, I'm like, I'm embarrassed because the drag, I didn't have it set very good. So this drag is going, I'm like, tightening my drag up. I reel it, 16 inch uh, rainbow. I'm like, well, maybe I was just lucky, you know, no big deal. Because I got told I wasn't going to catch anything using artificial bait. <laughs> so I take the little thing out. And we were allowed four fish through the day. We were allowed four good fish. So the one guy yells at me because I think about 16 inches. Yeah, about 16 inches. He goes, that's a good fish. I'd, I'd keep that one. Well, okay, so I threw that one in the bag. So meanwhile, they're still sitting there with their meadows and they're still jigging and doing all this mess. <laughs> I go, okay. I blast it back out there again. Same thing. Bloop goes out again 18 inch second one was an 18 inch <laughs> rainbow okay long story short within 10 minutes and this is an all-day fishing event within 10 minutes i've caught my limit biggest fish was 22 inches oh my and i was God. using oh yeah. <laughs> yeah it was and i'm sitting there going what do i do now I, i've been fishing for 10 minutes i've caught four fish you know can i just catch them and throw them back or whatever you know, like i said i was a guest i really didn't know that lure, I used that thing. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how many times I took that thing out to rivers, other rivers, not there, just anywhere, any other river. And that thing caught trout like crazy. Yeah. Uh, I was just amazed that, that they loved that lure that bad. I would try rooster tail, wouldn't do anything. I would try other mips, you know, the aglias and all that stuff, mm-hmm. nothing. But that XD, I don't, it was the silver, silver blade, white bucktail with that little, what'd you yeah. call it, John, little flashy stuff. Yeah, flashy. Yeah. yeah. That thing would tear a trout up everywhere I went. And, and it was just an absolute 100% accident that I found out that that thing would catch fish like that. And so I've been using them ever since. And I, I've tried to see just how many varieties of fish I can catch on that lure. And it's been a lot. I've caught bass, crappie, bluegill, uh, really big pickerel uh, they love it pickerel really love it <laughs> i don't know what it is they love so much about it but they love that thing but that is a lure too and, you know i don't know if most people would tell other people what they're using to catch fish but i do and you get the chance if you ever see one you know you get the MEPS xd that's why i wanted to send you one john i was like <laughs> i want to send one to john out there and see what he does where he's yeah. at you know, catch see, to see if he can catch anything different with it you know they catch fish absolutely a crazy catching fish that was a long gated story sorry about that <laughs> no no i bored, that's my, what I'm we're bored here myself for. with that story no I'm that's so what bad. we're here for man. <laughs> so, so then willie what uh, your top five favorite lures oh Lord. period what's your top five top five um definitely gonna be trout magnets falling there because they literally catch just about anything i mean just about anything uh if you jig them, drop them, use a bobber, you can do them so many different ways. Uh, trout magnets are definite. Um, that MEPS Aglia, or not Aglia, but the XD. XD, yeah. Definitely. That, that, that probably, actually, that would be first trout magnet. Second, Charlie Brewer sliders I've been using here recently, just the grub. And I use a tube style uh, jig for them. Just started doing that. I literally just started doing that. Um, so I would say the Charlie Brewers with little paddle tails. And I would love to throw John's baits up in there, but no, he had to start flying. <laughs> so I can't put John's in there. <laughs> so, hey, you can, you uh, can fish a, a fly under a float, just, you know, just out of posterity. 
You can't. And I'm going to have him invent something. Well, I think you did, didn't you? Didn't you come up with something I could use for ultralight? Dude, I was casting it on that rod you gave me. It was going like three or four feet, which ain't quite enough. So I got to I gotta weight them a little bit. You got to weight it down. Yeah. Okay, well, then we'll hold off. We'll put yours like uh, <laughs> 5A <laughs> until you actually invent that lure to work like it's supposed to. We'll hold off and make that 5A. Right. <laughs> okay, uh, fourth, um, where it all began for me with that type of thing, uh, using lures, was Rapala. Mm-hmm. I love the little floating minnows, uh, it, whether it's lipless or if it has the little lip where it can dive and come back up and float. Uh, those in the rivers uh, where I catch red eye trout, uh, man, what else? We catch a small mouth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're great. They're really, they're good little, little lures. And I would have to say number five that I have used the most in my life, rooster tails. Yeah. Uh, I turned my kids on to rooster tails. Uh, they were throwing grubs like I was for a very long time. And then I said, well, let's try this. And both of my boys, uh, when they saw what rooster tails were doing up there, uh, they became big fans. And I still am. I, I think so. Yes, that'd be number five. That, that'd be for me. As far as my ultralight fishing, that would be the route I would take with those five. Until John invents that other one, you know, like I said, and <laughs> figures out how that I can cast more than three feet. They, there's something about rooster tails. Like, yep. that, Tell that's, me about what, that's what my kid fishes. Like, he used to, I, mean, I say he used to enjoy, maybe it was enjoy, but anyway, he'd go out there and he'd fish with, you know, we'd fish, I put him some crickets or a night crawler under, under a float. Yeah. He'd be out there and he just wear out cat. I swear it didn't matter where we went, he'd catch catfish. And, catfish with rooster tails uh with with uh well i have caught catfish on rooster tails actually oh really uh, yeah there's a uh there's this reservoir we used to fish where i was growing up my dad adoringly calls it the dead sea and uh <laughs> there's this there's this old um kind of like general store out in this place and in front of that general store there's this old wooden fence and then it comes out to this really shallow point and then and then it drops off it drops off probably six or seven feet and you can see it you know on your electronics when you're out there just by fishing it i mean what winter pool it's kind of it's a little sketchy because it's mm-hmm. considerably lower and you can hit some of the gravel bars out there but we used to fish white rooster tails and uh gate blades like the the metal um you know it's got the two little hooks and it's like the little metal bait fish yeah, we, we used to jig those and throw those for uh, white bass out there. And since we had them on on our way back to, you know, to the boat access, uh, my mom, I swear the biggest catfish I've ever seen caught there. She caught on a rooster tail. And then shortly after I caught a much smaller one on a rooster <laughs> tail. But she thought she's hung up, you know. Yeah. Yeah in there i know how that feels. Yeah. you know catfish something about catfish man you know i never thought they'd hit moving baits you know, I've, you I've know seen i didn't think so either but i've seen i've actually visually seen it happen on big spinner baits and things yeah. uh i'm just amazed i've never seen catfish i you you think of them on the bottom just sucking up anything that's on the bottom you don't think of them looking up and going hey what's that boom you know yeah, yeah. but 
it's it's amazing that they do that, but I have seen it done. Yeah, I mean, it's like you like you said, you just think of them as this bottom feeding behemoth of a fish. But yep, I've even seen uh, there's this mulberry tree out in this lake over here, and I've been trying to trick some of these catfish, but uh, <laughs> the mulberries will drop in the water, and the catfish will come up and eat them. Really? And I've been trying to figure out how to carp do that too. Yeah, yeah, carp. Yeah, uh, I, we used to catch carp with popcorn. At that, okay. <laughs> seriously, we, we would take a yeah. we would take a an old eagle claw hook, put it right through a piece of popcorn, then take a handful of popcorn, throw it out there with yours, you know, and they would come up eating all that stuff, and then eventually somebody would get a hold of yours, and you got a big you know twenty pound carp you're trying to reel in on a Zepco four hundred four. It's really fun. Till you run out of line, because <laughs> <out> <laughs> yeah. pop, and you go, oh crap, lost that one. But I tell you another lure. Now, speaking of favorites, torpedoes. Oh yeah, the old head and torpedoes with a little spinner on the back. Yeah, they had the little yeah. side on the back. Yeah, those, yeah, those are, so are cool. cool. Yep, and you know, I used to use those quite frequently. And here, and the reason I didn't add this lure to the five that you asked about was because I haven't used it enough because it hasn't been around long enough. But I recently, in probably the last six or eight months, started trying a uh, whopper plopper. Yeah. Brother, I tell you what, I can't take, mm -hmm. can't take anything away from what those lures do. They're amazing. Yeah. I mean, literally. You're uh, throwing the 60s? I throw a 60 in the 90s. I don't have anything any bigger than the 60 or the 90. I don't like the 75. The 75 is, looks too much like a football and seems just as big as the, the 90. It's yeah. like a musky lure. Yeah, kind of. I, the, the, the 75 just looks goofy to me, so I don't use it. Yeah. I use the 60 and the 90. And uh, the first spotted bass I ever caught was at Lake Gaston in North Carolina about three months ago using – that uh 90 and i think it, of all colors i think i was using monkey butt that's what they call it <laughs> it's a color i'm like who comes up with these names for these colors you know monkey butt and if, if evidently you've been spent way too much time close to a monkey butt yeah. <laughs> you want to call that that but anyway that's what i caught it on uh and that that uh spotted bass and that was a big spotted bass too I, it kind of fooled me and i was out there i had then gotten pushed against the bank because Lake Gaston's a very touristy lake. Uh, jet skis, pontoon boats, skiers, rafters, you know, all of that being pulled behind boats and everything. And I had gotten the wakes where the boats had come through had kind of pushed me over closer and closer to the, the edge. And it's a lot of rocky edges that come down. And I was in my kayak and uh, hadn't really been out in that kind of water with my kayak before because it's a huge, monstrous lake. And uh, I got a uh, Topwater 120 uh, Old Town with the pedals prop. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was out there and I kept getting pushed closer and closer to the bank. Well, I was worried that, you know, my little prop was down there under me and I was getting pushed over those rocks and I was trying to stay back off those rocks. And the boats had finally gone by. The waves had kind of died down a little bit. And I cast that whopper plopper, which, by the way, I don't know if y'all casted one of them things before, but if you yeah. have a 10, 10 pound line with a, a 90 whopper plopper and literally you're casting 100 feet like it ain't nothing i mean it just and you're just waiting for the splash mm -hmm. well i'm reeling it in and that thing is so loud mm -hmm. i mean that 
come up through the water is amazing how yeah. far off you can hear this thing. And in my mind, I was just going, yeah, if a fish can hear that, man, he's going to hit it. And I'm not kidding. I don't even think the thought got past my frontal lobe here. And <laughs> that lure just boosh, and the thing went down and I set the hook and I went, oh, Lord, what have I got? Because he was actually pulling my kayak. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord, I got to put this thing in reverse. <laughs> Back up a little bit here. And, uh, and I ended up catching that big spotted bass off of that thing. And so at that point, I started trying to find the 60s, which are really hard to find. Yeah. The little 60 is hard to find. You can find 90s and up. You can find them anywhere. Yeah. But the 60s is hard to find. So I started using the 60s, and I used them a couple times at the campground uh, where I've been going. And I got over in the river, which is a brackish water, uh, the Piankatank River is what it's called. And for whatever reason, I said, I'm going to try this whopper plopper. There's no wind blowing, whatever. And I tried that in the 60. And it was a solid white. 60 and I threw that thing over there and caught a six and a half pound red drum. Ooh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> On top water, which was crazy yeah. to me because red drum, that's another fish like a catfish that you don't expect to look up. You know, you don't you don't feel that. And man, this woman actually got a picture of me catching that fish because it was just the sun was coming up over the trees. And she looked for me through the entire campground when, when I finally caught that fish, whatever because she didn't realize she was, I caught a picture of you setting the hook on that fish. And she did. The water was just calm as jello. I mean, it just smooth. And uh, you can see me with the pole reared back and the splash further off where the fish came up and hit. And I did that on uh, eight pound test. Woo. It was eight pound, eight pound test That's on pushing a it. PC fin uh flame 3000 i think it was and uh medium light blues laser speed stick <laughs> that was another one of those days where it was like, okay just loosen the drag and let him swim yeah and that's what i did i let him swim he wore himself out and i literally drug him around the pier and all the way back to the, the boat dock and got him up in there and caught that fish but yeah not expecting that in any way but the whopper plopper itself getting back to why we originally talked about that is an amazing amazing thing mm -hmm. really is and there are some ripoffs of the whopper plopper i think bass pro shops has a version yep um somebody else does too soyga land on amazon you can get six of them for like 20 bucks oh really yeah there's huh. a Man, I cannot. The Chapo, the Berkeley Chapo. Chapo, oh, yeah. that's the one I'm thinking of. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's another good one. I think the, I'm not sure who was the first, but I think Whopper Plopper's got more notoriety, for lack of a better term, than the Chapo does. I think so, just because of the name. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just fun to use; it's fun to say. Yeah, yeah. So you can't. You know, it's like cornhole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sounds dirty, but it's not. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can yell it. You can yell it when you're pissed off, and nobody can get mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think Bass Pro Shops has their version is actually a double. It yeah, two. it is. Yeah. And yeah. I, I picked up one of those, and that one thirty, I was slamming smallmouth. It was unbelievable. They were coming really? up, and they were hooking themselves in the side, and I just unbelievable. I was <laughs> like, oh yeah, caught. I'm just gonna pitch this thing out here. And like you said, you got light line. Well, you can huck that thing like, I don't know, 140 feet. So you're just like, <laughs> Wee! 
and then it hits yeah. and you're just blah 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 like kaboom you just blow Boom. a fish out and it's like what is going on with this it's like a three or four pound smallmouth it's just yeah. some big gargantuan thing uh the smallest that'll hit it's like a pound and a half so you still got your hands full on the 60 i was catching shell crackers <laughs> on the 60 that that day I, the shell crackers were hitting that thing and i'm going god man this bait is half the size of you yeah. What did you think you were? And you're a shell cracker, so your mouth is about as big around as a pencil eraser. What are yeah, you and they're do hooked up thing? through the you gill know? plate and through the head, and you're like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah, and that's that's to tell you what, it's because of the whopper plopper that I actually finally bought the uh, the jaw grippers. Oh yeah, yeah. For getting the fish, and because just trying to get that uh, spotted bass off of that whopper plopper in a kayak with the waves coming. You're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trouble hook ain't no fun in the hands. Woo. No, that I trouble hook in the finger will ruin your day. Yep. It's it's there. And so I finally decided I've had I've had many a hook. I got scars all over me. I've had many a hook in my hand. And it just I finally went and bought some of the Rapala jaw grippers just because of that. Just because I was like, I'm not sticking my fingers in their mouth with a 60 size whopper plopper because you know the 60 is even smaller, so the trouble hooks are even closer together. Yeah. And not doing it. I'm going to go ahead and keep that from happening. Keep that one trip to the hospital from happening. Willie, so as a as a fellow that pretty much only ultralight fishes, is I'm going to dare to say that. You're um, pretty much right. I mean, you've been doing it for, I mean, since you were etching the Ten Commandments. And oh, so. Thanks. <laughs> and, you just called me Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but. If you could give someone that wanted to get into ultralight fishing um, just a couple words of wisdom before we we end this episode here, what would you give them? What would you what would you tell them if if you were starting this whole adventure over? What would you do to get started? I think the biggest thing is you shouldn't have to take out a loan to go fishing. You know. Uh, don't let 12 bearings and big names and all of that stuff get up here in your head if you want to go fish. Because you can go out here, you can go to Walmart, you can go wherever. I've got plenty of $25 reels uh, that are great. $20, 20 I'm sorry, uh, $25 fishing poles from Walmart, whatever. You can get started. You can go out here and fish and you don't have to take out a loan or break the bank. You can do that. So don't, you know, if you want to move up to that in time, okay, you're loaded, rich, whatever. Okay. Yeah, that, that's fine. You save your money. You got a paper route and like selling your liver to the hospital, whatever, you know, it's it, however you want to do it, but you don't have to literally take out a loan or break the bank to go fish. That's the big thing. And ultralight fishing is even better to me because some of that stuff is, you know, smaller. So it's cheaper. It doesn't cost as much. There's plenty of companies out here now, like uh, PC Finn and Cast King and those guys who make a really good reel uh, for a low price. Um, I've got a couple of them here. As a matter of fact, uh, John, I was going to send you one of them that I have here. Uh, for. I did a review with it. And it was actually, it's an ice fishing reel. It's very small, little 500 size. I think that thing was 25 bucks and it's like a 
if I can remember correctly, a nine or 10 bearing reel. And it's made by PCFIN, ICX5, I think is what they call it. Great, great reel for light, ultra light style fishing. I felt really bad about the Zebco, so I was going to <laughs> send you that one. But uh, yes, that would be my, my words of wisdom are do your homework. There's things out there that can get you started. You don't have to go out here and spend a bazillion dollars. You, you guys know that um, mm-hmm. rooster tails and, you know, the Meps Aglia and all that kind of stuff. These grubs that I buy, you know, Charlie Brewers and stuff, they're $3.49 for a bag, you know, $4.40 for, for 50 jigs, 16, 16th ounce jigs to use. You can use that stuff. And that's what I'm using. And I'm catching everything. I'm catching bass, crappie bluegill, whatever, you know, so that's, that's my thing. Uh, and don't, um, how do I say this? How do I say this without offending anybody? Um, not that that usually bothers me. Um, don't go out and entitle yourself specifically a bass fisherman, specifically a fly fisherman, specifically this fishing is fishing. Do what you want to do to enjoy it. If you like fly fishing or you like catching you know, 300 pound walleye, whatever, it doesn't, you know, <laughs> but don't limit yourself. Start off doing something, see how you like it, work it from there. But that, my biggest thing has always been about the money. That, that's always been my thing. Mm-hmm. Is you don't have to take a loan out to go fish. Obviously, I mean, I've gone to flea markets and bought $5 reels and $5 poles and I've gone fishing and caught fish. I've got episodes on there showing that. I, my son and I did one. We literally rebuilt a reel on the tailgate of the truck. Bought it at the flea market, rebuilt it on the tailgate of the truck, took it apart, got it working, and then went and caught fish that day. <laughs> it was, and awesome. it, was, it was an ugly stick. I bought an ugly stick and another little Zebco trigger style reel mm-hmm. and paid $10 for including both in the line that I had and went and caught fish. So that's the thing. You don't have to go out here and, and go you know break the bank and go in debt to fish absolutely it should be for fun you should be having a good time unless you're one of these guys that tournament fish and it's a living you know but most of those guys are being sponsored by people that are going here have the you know seven hundred dollar calcutta have a nice day yeah yeah i don't have that benefit (laughs) (laughs) well and and i think where where i come from where john comes from everything else we have that same idea of, you know, when we talk about fly fishing, we're not talking about when you go. So myself living in the Northwest in the Western United States, we have a lot of fly fishing going on here. Mm-hmm. You can walk into a fly shop and you could see where people would think that they had to take that proverbial loan out to be able to afford their stuff. Yeah. I, I literally, I've seen rods that a rod alone is a thousand dollars. A, a fly reel could be 800 to a thousand dollars. You could be looking at $300 line, uh, a set of waders, 850 to a thousand dollars, a set of wading boots, three to $500. Uh, and, and there's people out there that buy this stuff and, and good for them, more power to them. Uh, it, it, I would be scared to death to tear the waders or to rip the down out of the fluffy jacket, or, you know, I, I would be terrified of that if I spent you know, upwards of five to $7,000 to look cool on the river or have the yep. top of the line gear. It doesn't necessarily, you know, th- that doesn't necessarily equate to it being uh, the best, uh, so to speak. 
because yeah. we all got by on stuff that we picked up at yard sales. And, you know, the, that's kind of that whole thing. It, it all works. But I just think that it's cool that, that you know, you're not using like these off the wall lures. Uh, uh, case in point, my dad, I took him out last year to these lakes that we go to. I was like, oh, I got all these spinners and stuff. He's like, oh, you know why you need all that crap? Just grab a rooster tail. He's the only one that caught fish. He was like, there he's out go. there and he's out there and he's got my little, I, I got a, a, a Fluger reel that was like 30 bucks and a $10 ultralight rod. And I have it tied up with like a, a eight pound test bumper on like 10 pound test braid. He's out there throwing it. And he's like, I don't know why you use this crap. And he's reeling up and he hooks this giant, you know, like 18 inch trout on a little one sixteenth black rooster tail with a black blade. And he's like, oh, that's actually kind of fun. I was, come on, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But that's, that's his whole thing. He was like, all you need is a handful of rooster tails, some, some hooks and some uh, Potsky eggs. He used to go out with a fly rod and put a little tiny uh, eagle claw egg hook on it like that and just put one egg on it. And these guys are out there. They got power bait and they got all this stuff like at these reservoirs uh, that yeah. we have here and they get stuck and he'd be out there. He casts this thing and he's blowing them out. And these guys are getting so pissed. They're like launching their beer cans in the river. <laughs> and, and he's out there just ripping these things out he's like i don't know what's wrong with you guys you know these things are gagging it down to the point where he's like oh i can't get it out so he breaks it off throws it on the string or ties a new one on and keeps going you know it's like i don't know so uh, simplicity is oftentimes the best thing it's just like you know people that that fish for bass i i've seen some really wild setups uh, mm -hmm. for bass you know but I've caught more bass. Like John said, I, I bought all these plastics. I got all these like, you know, EWG hooks, all this other yep. stuff. And, and I go out and I throw some little trout fly and I end up just blowing bass and bluegill and <laughs> crappie up. Yep. That, but, but you're, you're, you're demonstrating that for people like, Hey, you know what? You don't have to go buy the big expensive rod and reel and everything else. You can go down to, you know, your local, walmart or sam's club or whatever you have and but you know it's, it's not for everybody and i no, get that's that. it it's it's yeah. not for everybody it's it's also a hobby for me now to revamp this old stuff yeah and that's and fun it's fun to me and because yeah. it is where it began it's where mm -hmm. it started and all of this some of this stuff works really good it's really good equipment you know there's going to be days it doesn't matter what you use you're not going to catch fish I mean, it's just how it is. It's just how it is. I mean, th there's going to be days where you couldn't land a bar of soap in a bathtub. You know, it just doesn't, <laughs> it just happens. It just happens. And, and it doesn't matter if you're out there with the $150 St. Croix or you're out yeah. there with the $29 Walmart lose or yeah. whatever, you know, uh, the funny thing is, you know, you talk about the fly fishermen and the thousand dollar rods and all that mm -hmm. stuff, you know, I got news for them, you know, the, the hatchback of their Mercedes SUV will snap the tip off of that rod just yep. as quick as it will the tip of I've my watched it. $29 I've watched lose it. rod. There yeah, you go. I've watched it. I, I've, I've seen that in action. I would feel a lot better about snapping off that $29 lose yeah. speed stick than that $1,000 <laughs> fly rod. And, you know, well, just yeah. be careful. You know, well, okay, well, you know, being careful is, is, is a great thing. But, you know, a lot of me fishing is back of a pickup truck stuff in the back truck and exactly drive on up the road mm -hmm. and the simplicity like you're saying uh the simplicity of a rooster tail something that has proven itself for years to catch fish okay well fish don't know the next newest and greatest thing mm -hmm. they don't know and so if that thing was catching fish then it's going to catch fish now 
It's how it is. Absolutely. But the rebuilding and the old stuff and all that's not for everybody. That's just something I do. And I get that. I understand. And I'm, a lot of people will probably look and go, man, why do you want to go through all that? You know, I just have a fondness. Okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go into my hippie phase here real quick, <laughs> which I'm not. Uh, but I do have, I've always had a feel that everything, I don't care what it is, has a soul to it. It's just one of them things to me. It was made for a reason. It had a purpose. Okay. And to me, to bring it back again, to give it that purpose again, instead of it sitting in a corner rotting or a car in a driveway peeking out from underneath of an old tarp that's rusting away or uh, an old fishing reel that's sitting in a drawer that hadn't been used in 30 years. Not to go all Toy Story on you, but it just seems they have a reason. They have a purpose. You know, they had a purpose. And for, to bring that back again, to give that thing, whatever it is, its life again. There's just something about that. It's just something fulfilling about that to me. Uh, I mean, you tell me, you look at the old truck I drive or you look at all the fishing reels I have, or old guitars that I play or mm -hmm. whatever. It, it feels good to bring something back, you know, and say, you know, at one time you were a nice, bright, shiny, new coming off the assembly line. And now you've been reduced to this heaping piece of rotted whatever. But now I'm going to make you be able to do that again. You know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of car people in the world. You know, they Camaros and Mustangs and stuff like that. Well, you know, I drive a 68 C10 long bed. <laughs> yeah. Nothing and, wrong with that truck. No, no. You know, it was supposed to be a sign. It was going to be a billboard. That's what that truck was going to be. And it wound up being, ended up being mine. And now it goes, it pulls our golf cart to the, uh, to the campground. It takes me fishing whenever I want to go. And yeah. So that was something that didn't have a life that was going to end up being stuck as a sign on the side of the road. Now it's actually being driven. So getting off of that. And like, I know y'all probably have to go even all the time. Um, but that's that's my thing. That, that's just a little hobby, a little fun thing to me to bring life, breathe life back into these things. Well, I think that there's there's a lot of beauty in that alone. <clears throat> Giving something purpose again is I mean, that that speaks volumes, whether it's it's an old car, it's an old fishing reel or even if it's an old book, you know, finding it a place to where it's not going to rot away and you get to preserve that piece of history you know it's it's it's, it's really cool man it's like even you know even these cast iron pans that my grandmother had you know yeah you know, keeping you know keeping them seasoned and keeping yep. them mm -hmm. it's just there's there's just something cool about it man the only reason cast iron ever went out is because the other stuff came in and it was the newest latest and greatest and easier to take care of yeah we as a nation, we've become very, uh, I want everything right now. Every, I want everything easy. Mm -hmm. So even if it's not as good, cast iron, you know what food tastes like coming out of a cast iron pan. Oh, it's the best. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I know. But look what you got to go through yeah. to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, as I blame drive foods. I think drive foods have always been yeah. what started the whole ball rolling. Uh, I blame this, cell phones. Cell phones, <laughs> to me, cell phones are something that only the police department and the military should have. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, and it, it's, it should have never gone that far. But 
yeah, it, the new frying pans and all that stuff, it's just easy to not stick. You know, I can dump this and burn this and then it just fall right out. You know, yeah. there's, there's work involved. And when there's work involved, it just, it fades out, it fades away, mm-hmm. you know, but man, you can't beat the way hamburgers or steak or a stew coming out of a big cast iron kettle, you know, yeah. you can't beat that, but there's a lot of work involved. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And that's why the, you know, you can go in Walmart now and buy a nonstick, whatever for 19 bucks and use it for five or six, seven years till the nonstick crap comes off. You ever wondered where that stuff goes? <laughs> Well, you're eating. No, really no. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no. When, you, when you start looking at your nonstick pan and go, man, some of the stuff's missing. Yeah. <laughs> That's never crossed your mind where that went. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm ingesting Teflon. All right. There you go. <laughs> I don't ever remember ingesting cast iron. No, no. No, well, neither. But we overlook that because if we, as long as we overlook it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't, don't get me started there. <laughs> We are, we're coming up on the end of this and Willie, thanks again, honestly, just so much. Honestly, it's, it's been incredibly enjoyable and I had fun. You're a hell of a guy, Willie. (laughs) Yeah. All that. Where, where can everyone find you via social media? If they want to get a hold of you, Willie. Oh, Instagram. Want to go fishing? Uh, I don't do Facebook and all. There's a whole long story behind that. Um, actually I had a cousin that wanted to beat me up over Facebook uh, a girl too yeah. on top of that um, so Instagram and then on YouTube at want to go fishing it's W-A-N-N-A go and then fishing with a hyphen and uh, you find me on there well Willie we'll put all your information in the show notes uh, on Spotify and down here on YouTube so everyone can find you and man for real thanks so much for <laughs> Thanks for yeah. just sharing with us. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Willie. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's always fun to see your videos. I'm looking forward to seeing more. I want to see more catching. I want to see more vintage gear and ultralight. It's, it's a lot of fun. So thanks again for coming on. No, no problem at all whatsoever. Thank you guys. I, I totally enjoy this. Is Hey, this, this is new to me. This is technology. <laughs> this whole looking at people's faces and talking to them on the telephone. Yeah. <laughs> You guys really are good looking on these things. I'm not joking. Oh, uh, thank you. My, 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 <laughs> good. My, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, as always, everybody, thanks for listening to this episode this evening. And uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Instagram at Working Class Fishing. You can find us on YouTube at Working Class Fishing Podcast. We're on all major listening platforms to include Anchor, Spotify. Uh, pretty much any anywhere you listen, we're going to be there. And just thanks for listening, y'all. And I hope y'all have a good one. And see you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>